a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a... Greasy black peel. Hey everyone, this is Scott with Leading Edge Archery. This is going to be our Christmas edition today. Uh, we got Jason Dubansky and the infamous Bridger Deaton here. I feel a little disrespected that I get infamous. Every the time. infamous. Infamous. Maybe the, the notorious. <laughs> notorious? Then? Yeah. The Notorious. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, we wanted to talk a little bit about the holidays today. Actually, make it a little Christmassy. And then we are going to cover a technical topic a little bit today, talking about beginning archery. But, you know, it just doesn't feel like the holidays because it was like 70 degrees today. It was warm. It was warm. Very warm. We're in South Texas. Yeah, so, it's Texas winter. For those of you who ever listen and you're from the north and you know what we're talking about, like Bridger's from Iowa, I'm from Ohio, Tabanski, you're from... Even further south. Even further south. Yeah. I'm, in San Antonio. <laughs> I'm, I used to hit golf balls off the uh, number four hole into Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So, yes, it was hot today. So it's hard to get in the Christmas spirit when it's this hot out. But you know what? We're working hard. Um, man, we had a good sales day today. Sold a lot it of It was clothes. good. Very busy. Yeah. Busy today with kids uh, coming up for Christmas presents. Or actually had a kid come in and bought his dad a crossbow, which is kind of cool. Um yeah, but wanted to talk a little bit about Christmas, and um, you know, I'm going to get really, really sentimental here, okay? Because there's one thing about getting old. You know, I'm 50 some years old now. I'm going to say some, and uh, I miss, I miss the kids because you know the kids are what Christmas is about for me, in my opinion. And uh, it's kind of cool that you know you set the all the presents up and the cool gifts under the tree, and you know the kids freak out the next morning. It's awesome. And that, for me, is what Christmas is all about for me. And, you know, when you get old, the kids are gone. Um, you know, my my family's dispersed across the country in different areas of the state. And it's tough because you just don't have time to, in today's busy life, especially owning an archery shop. It's very tough to get out and see them. So, you know, for me, it's sometimes hard to get in that Christmas spirit. And nowadays, I kind of live vicariously through my friends that have families and even through our customers, which is kind of cool. But, I mean, for me, that's what it's about for me, the kids and um, I just remember when I was a kid how much I could not wait for Santa. You know, am I right? Come on, guys. Well, we call them Santa. <laughs> Santa? <laughs> I remember my dad used to always put on big, uh, he had big ice boots he'd put on and track through the track through the house. He always made sure to only track on the linoleum, though. So your mom would clean it up. Yeah, that way my mom would. Yeah, she wouldn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Christmas is, is something special. You know, I got... I got to spend a lot of Christmases away from from the house uh, over the last fifteen years. So, being able to hang out with friends and family that that makes it that makes it that much better. So, yeah. well, you spent some time Christmases in Korea. Correct? I spent Christmas in Korea and Germany. Spent uh, two in Afghanistan, one in Iraq. Jeez. Um, but yeah, so all those guys out there in harm's way, you know, we uh, we wish you the best. Uh, wish you guys could be here with your family, but. Uh, we know you're out there doing what, what's got to be done, and 
I mean, your your son's out in Korea. Yeah, right he's now, in South it? Korea right now. He'll be at Christmas in there with the Eating. his wife and two kids here. So, yeah, yeah. There's nothing great. like nothing. Nothing brings out the holiday spirit like kimchi for uh, <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> kimchi for christmas yeah. well and is it cold there this time of year I can't oh yeah remember. it's it's snowing i mean snowy. it gets down into uh into the negatives yeah but i mean koreans uh do they celebrate christmas yeah they're big into christmas That's you know cool. they they find any excuse for fireworks right. um so i wouldn't be surprised if you know how archery is the the oh, number yeah. one sport in korea if, i wish i would have known that when i was there yeah no kidding um, i wouldn't be surprised if they're tying fireworks to the ends of arrows and <laughs> you're right shooting next tens in the air i mean we were talking about that a little bit earlier with uh uh cody telling stories about his dad oh and yeah yeah me telling stories about me being a kid and making uh right exploding arrows <laughs> <laughs> exactly so was christmas celebrated also jason in uh germany and I'm sure you guys had Christmas service in Afghanistan when you're yeah. overseas. Um, you know, one of honestly one of my most memorable Christmases, of course, my very first one, um, man, I might age myself a little bit, but in Afghanistan back in two thousand two. Right. Um, that was my first time being out there and that one was really special because we had a really tight group. Um so of course we found uh the Puerto Rican National Guard was out there and those guys I they they bring everything with them. Um, so they found this old building and we turned it into a, we used to call salsa night. Uh, <laughs> so we all went over there and, and they ran the uh, food distribution. So they made rice, beans, chicken. We had live music and a bunch of other stuff that we never broke the rules. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. But, you know, Germany, um, Germany is, is picture perfect christmas you know they got right. all those little christmas markets and christmas villages plus it's snowing yeah big time yeah that there's helps. there's no such thing as a as a non-white christmas in germany right so the rest of the world it sounds like celebrates christmas like we do i would say so. well maybe not Mostly. out in the middle east maybe but not in the middle east no, <laughs> no it, it's 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 the most wonderful time of the year <laughs> exactly i mean i got well, i was up at midwest open few weeks ago and i got a little sentimental because it snowed sunday night right and i was flying out monday morning and i remember i went and uh my mom and i went to a movie and it was snowing while we were in there and we came out and none of the parking lots were plowed or nothing so it was just a big blanket of snow and i got a little little i had a little moment where i'm like oh, yeah, go. i'm not gonna see snow until you go back up well until oh, i go yeah. back but it's not that'll be the only time i see snow before christmas yeah i mean we did have snow here last year Lasted about. Did you call that snow? It, it was an inch and a half. <laughs> I heard yeah. it lasted for like three hours. Three yeah, hours. something like. And they, this entire town shut down. Oh, I know. I can't wait. No, I hope that happens. I actually took pictures in H E B, and it was the most amazing thing. The bread aisle was literally pit clean. There was no bread left. The the eggs back in the back in the coolers empty. The milk <laughs> empty. It looked like Armageddon. It was crazy. These people in Texas go nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, it happens in hurricane season. I lived in Florida, and the same thing happens. And I'm, you know, being a northeaster, the inch and a half. And then it was even funnier. They shut the highways down. That's what I got a kick out of. (laughs) It was funny. At at home, we always made a joke saying the best uh, salesman or salesman, best salesman at the end of the year is always the the weatherman. The weatherman, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, but you know, I, I I have been able to spend some some really cold Christmases. Of course, my wife is from Canada, mm. so spending Christmases up there. I remember the first time I was there it was eight between six to eight feet of snow banks on the on the sidewalks. And how many degrees below zero was that? About thirty thirty five. No. Yeah. And she just got back, right? Yeah. I think she told she me up nine degrees. Snow. Yeah. Yeah. Nine degrees out. Yeah. No. You guys can have that. Nope. And, and then it was, I think it got to be what thirty six, thirty eight. The night she was here at the shop, yeah. And we walked outside. And I was immediately freezing, and she was laughing at us because for her, she was tempered into nine. Already. I was like shorts and flip flops. Her. <laughs> no, exactly. thank you. Exactly. Oh. All this Christmas talk kind of gets into us, gets us into what we were kind of planning on talking about for the show is uh, beginners in archery because. Yeah. Like this time of year, a lot of people are obviously giving presents and stuff. Presents and stuff, and big gift, especially the last probably five to seven years with you know different movies coming out and the like. Uh, archery is becoming a big deal as far as from a, a gifting perspective. Yeah, you know what's crazy? The amount too. of the amount of youth bows we've sold, unbelievable. Here is crazy, and even you know like somebody that dabbles a little bit and they're wanting to get back into it, them coming in buying a new bow. And then just obviously people upgrading and stuff yeah. this time of year. So, well, you know, talking about bows and movies, I want to go off and want to chase a squirrel a little bit here. But I was seeing, I went and seen Star Wars yesterday, which, by the way, was amazing. I Boo. loved it. Oh, come on. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I, I'm a Star Wars, I'm a complete sci fi geek. I'm not afraid to admit that. And uh, I thought, thought it was great. But the first end of a trilogy or whatever you want to call it, a, a, a string of movies that I wasn't ticked off at the end. I liked the ending, I thought it was cool. But anyways, no, they were doing the, um, the the trailers, and of course there was like 30 minutes of trailers with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the new, uh, what's her name, the Marvel character is coming, Black, Black, oh, Widow. Black Widow. Black Widow. They're doing a movie just for with her, and I, and just like normal, there is another gal with a bow in the movie, and I yep. immediately thought, here we go. This is the kind of stuff I think is keeping archery relevant. There well, is does. a bow in I, every action movie nowadays. I remember... Uh, I was working at the Shields in Des Moines at the time, um, but I remember when the Hunger Games came out. Oh yeah, the whole yeah. Katniss deal. That was a big, that was a huge push, especially, especially for me because I was shooting a lot of USA Archery at the time, and uh, USA Archery was getting a lot of press because of Katuna. Katuna was actually Katuna Lorig, who shoots on the women's national team. National team, yeah. Um, she's the one that trained. Uh, Yes, Jennifer, like Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. She's the yeah. one that trained her to shoot. Right. So. You know, it, a lot of, not a lot of people know, and you probably already know this too, like um, even f- go farther back, and I can't remember what movie she was in, but Gina Davis, um, who used to be married to um, Jeff Goldblum. She's a big actress back in the day. Maybe I'm really dating myself now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she she did a movie and actually shot a bow, and I think, I forget who trained her, but anyways... She actually made a run at the U.S. Olympic team. I remember that. She got crazy yep. good, like really good. She got really fast. into it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so it's kind of nuts. But, yeah, the movies, I think, are really helping drive this train right now, and it's it's kind of cool to see, kind of be a part of it. Um, we definitely are seeing, I think we, you know, we'll talk about this in, in a later episode, but the amount of kids and youth. Mm-hmm. You see it on the USA Archery line especially. Oh, it's crazy. It's the Joe at Nationals every oh. year, it, it – I it, the amount of kids there, it makes a it makes me wonder how the how the hell the parents control all of them. Yeah, <laughs> because I know how big of an asshole I was when I was like, <laughs> right, six, seven, eight years old. Oh yeah, 
Um, but also no, just you. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's crazy to see how much it grows every year. It always seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The last two years, I think the last two years, Jason, you'd be able to back me up on that, but the, they actually separated, um, adult nationals and Joe nationals. Yeah. For the first time in probably eight or 10 years since well, they had actually separated the two. Not just that, so, but if you look at the the program for uh, next year's USATs, mm-hmm. they've separated the senior and uh, yep. the junior and, and cadets from, yeah. from shooting at the same time because oh, yeah. they're getting that Too much big. more influx in, in young shooters. Yeah. Well, you know, even here in Texas, like what, I think indoor nationals is at the end of February. And yep. I, th- I heard today that it's already closed out. Oh, I, I wouldn't you doubt register? that one bit. I registered probably a month ago. Did you register? I know he didn't. Me, I don't know. But like when I registered for it was for the College Station uh US Nationals for the USA combined indoor. Um I had to sign up to shoot Friday and come back and then come back and then go back and shoot Sunday, Sunday because right. the Saturday line was already full. Yeah. yeah and that was crazy. over a month ago. Yeah. Yep. You know what's crazy? Still that's, that's four ha- months. So that's in, happened the last that's happened the last three years and I I think that USA Archery needs to wake up and get that to a bigger venue, like yesterday. Um, there's more shooters out there wanting to shoot that I know are going to be locked out. You know, and I'm not going to get started on them pulling bales because people don't show up, and that's a whole other segment for another time. But, anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, don't get me on that soapbox, please. Not today. No, not today. Um, but no, other than that, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about beginners archery, but I want to circle back around one more time because you know. For me, at least, and uh, and you know what, my listeners, our listeners, I don't want to. You know, one thing I didn't want to talk about, and I never want to talk about politics. Nope, no way. You know, do you ever want to talk about religion? But one time I want to go about religion because this whole season is really about the birth of Christ, end of the day. And um, you know, we like to lose sight of that sometimes because we get so engrossed in the buying gifts, you know, celebrating with our families, doing all those things that, that are all part of Christmas. But at the end of the day, I think we need to make sure and keep our head in the right direction and you know i think it's kind of cool because i think a lot of people at least maybe look at this part of the season you know get their butts in church that they missed all year you know if you're going to do it twice a year you know be one of those guys do the easter and church service christmas and easter but you know what at least you're there but at the end of the day it's um that it's the biggest reason why we celebrate i think it's important to to remember that to make sure and actively participate in that you know and if i kind of look at it like gym memberships because like you know, and we're going to talk about fitness in another segment at some point in time, but we're all, all three of us here are actually working out now. Um, and I dread January because oh, it's, <laughs> it's going to yes. be a mass flood of people that, are, <laughs> that have made their, their New Year's resolutions. But it's okay because by January 15th, that will be the, the only ones <laughs> the in the only gym ones again. Left. Well, you know, it happens in church too. You, you go to church service on Sunday, and actually this Sunday will probably be the largest congregation that, that every church in the United States will see yep. at any one given time besides Easter, um, which is fine. I think it's cool. I just, you know, if you, man, if you get a chance to, I think, take that above and beyond that and, and live it week to week and day by day, I think it, you'll see some pretty amazing things that God can do for you, for sure. So, um, you know, Jason, you're active in the church as far as, you know, people don't realize this, but Jason Tabansky, on top of being an extremely well-talented archer, he is a great musician, too. I dabble. 
dabble my butt. I've heard him. <laughs> he actually plays in our church band. You play the... I play the bass. Bass guitar. Yeah. And, and, I, and at one time, I heard you were one hell of a drummer. I grew up playing drums. It's, yeah. uh, it's a little bit hard to kick the bass right now, but <laughs> it's okay. It's not impossible. I'm finding... You know, there's actually a, a paralyzed drummer out there that plays professionally. His name is Jason Gerling. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I've actually talked to him a couple times on, on Instagram. How does he do that? Um, He's got a electronic drums that he uses as triggers for his bass drum oh, so for the bass yeah. yeah so i've talked to him you know trying to get the whole the whole thing kicking again dude Quilt i would like so i like would literally drums. kill to see him start beating on drums wouldn't it be awesome so he plays drums and then he's got like a rock band drum set where he hits that for his bass yeah he he's pretty <laughs> much got a uh an electric drum set broken apart um in individual pads that he uses no kidding yeah and, and i mean i i I have electronic drums, and you can assign different sounds to different pads, yeah. and you can use that. So I just don't have the space right now in my house. I mean, Bridger, you've been in my house. If I add a drum set, I'm pretty sure yeah, my wife is going to kick me out. <laughs> you, so, well, I mean, you could just kick your cats out. Yeah, throw I think. In, throw it in the cat's room. I think she'll kick me out first before she kicks out the cats. Yeah, I don't know if <laughs> you're supporting You are cats. so mean to those cats. Wow. <laughs> All he does is... is no, the cat will be sitting there, and he'll just look at... He'll look at Simon, which Simon's like the nice cat. He's like... If he'll Duke sit there cat. and like stare at you, and he'll the first thing he'll do, he'll roll over that cat and just, <laughs> and or just walk up, or he'll roll up to it and start <laughs> blowing so, on him. So like, funny he's so story. Mean to him. I have always heard that when cats are staring at you, that they are trying to figure out a way to kill you. Probably that's fine. That's what I've heard. Do, the cat weighs like twelve pounds. I, yeah, and I've heard that when cats stare at you, they're just trying to. I've heard that cats look at you as a bigger cat, so they're trying to figure you out. Really? And see if you're going to be nice or mean to them. <laughs> so you're mean? Nah. <laughs> He's a jerk. Yeah. No, but either All way, he, Jason, yeah. Jason so, does play bass guitar for our church, and he's really good at it. I've had the pleasure of listening to him many Sundays. Um, but yes, Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> Agreed? Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So keep that in mind when you're celebrating this coming weekend and the rest of the week. And, uh, and so... Um, I don't know if we made the announcement yet, but we're going to do this weekly. I think yes. we're going to be recording to try to try to uh, take advantage of the traction we've gained. I think the listeners have have jumped on board, and I so think we've gotten some positive feedback. So this is Monday before Christmas, so technically this episode will come out on Christmas. Uh, so on Christmas a, Day, yeah, what we're a great way to spend time with your family is listen to three bozos talk to each other. Exactly. I know I'll be listening because, well, yeah, it's. The holidays. <laughs> well, just I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll 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 blast it in my uh, in my car stereo. Roll the windows down and just go around the neighborhood. You, you'll probably have a bunch of men run out the front doors wanting to listen. Exactly. I mean, one of our customers lives right down the street from me. Really? Yeah. It's funny how that happened because I always drove by his house and I saw this big block target outside and I was like, man, I'm gonna stop and talk to that guy one of these days. Mainly because, you know, he's got a pretty flat piece of land and. It's it's good practice. Good practice plans. Yeah, so I had an ulterior motive. Sorry, Craig, if you're listening. But uh, no, I and eventually one day I saw him shooting outside, and I, I stopped, and I said, hey, man, if you ever need help with your bow, just let me know. You know, I, I, I hang out at this bow shop up in Bernie. He said, leading edge? That's where I bought this bow. No kidding. All right. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, so yeah I'll go around blasting awesome. in the neighborhood. Awesome. But, but it is Christmas. It is the time to give. Yeah, well, one of the things, Bridge brought it up, if you're buying bows for your kids, your loved ones, um, 
you know, this is going to be a hot topic a little bit, but we'll talk a little bit about it. I know Bridger's already expressed his <laughs> delight on it. Um, you know, there's no secret that Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, um, Academy, Sports Authority, Dick's, trying to think of all the big outlet stores that are running specials out there. They're all running specials on some really probably Diamond Infinite Edge. That is the number one probably retail brand out there when it comes to big box stores. Um, I always find it funny because people think they're getting some incredible buy because they're getting a ready-made bow in a box mm -hmm. to go shoot. And quite frankly, the accessories, and I've done the math on them, the accessories you get with those bows are combined aren't worth 25 bucks, probably. Literally, am I right? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, in retail value in retail versus value. quality. quality. They're not, yeah, Mostly quality. You probably couldn't give them away at most bow shops. <laughs> but, no, what we want to talk about is, you know, this is the time of year where a lot of people are getting into archery, beginners especially. Um, Bridger brought up, you know, the, the the movies and everything. So we want to kind of walk you through probably best-case scenario what you should be doing as a consumer, as a parent, as an end-user, um, to get the best out of your experience. Because, you know, as much as I love the fact that Bass Pro and Cabela's and those big box stores get people into the sport of archery, the problem is is that when those technicians set up those bows, and I use technicians extremely lightly, um, they probably run as many people out of the sport um, almost yeah. instantaneously. I've always said that because, you know, you got to remember, you're getting a, a high school or college kid getting paid seven fifty to 9 bucks an hour who maybe has shot a bow at some point in time. He took it in 4-H, or he took it in a NAS program at high school, so that gives him the experience to become a tech for Bass Pro, and that's all it takes. Or you get a retired guy who shot his bow 35 years ago, and he's making oh. 8 bucks an hour, and he's really doing it to get the discount on products so he can go fishing with it, and he's stuck in the archery shop. And unfortunately, those guys just don't know what they're doing, and I'm, you know, I'm not bashing them. It's just fact. Well. I mean, a large majority don't. I mean, there's always diamonds in Diamond the rough. Diamond in the rough, yeah. But, um, yeah, and, I, and like not to discourage from not to discourage anybody from going to those stores and right. getting a great deal. Honestly, an infant, Diamond Infinite Edge is an awesome starter bow. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's so adjustable, it's easy to adjust, which is a big deal for parents. Right. When you got a 11 year old kid that's going to grow six inches in six months. Right. Like. You need that type of adjustability, right. and that bow is going to be able to do it. And a lot of the bows that they sell that are more geared towards youth and women, right? Um, but I don't. It, it's it's good and bad. Yeah. I mean, and at the end of the day, so w what we're talking about is making sure and getting that bow to a reputable pro shop. But here's where it gets really sticky because I know a couple shops even here locally, and, I'm, and I've worked in some of these across the country. You know. You don't buy the bow there. They don't like to service it there. Mm. And, you know, and I'm hoping a lot of the, some of the listeners, if you have a shop like that, man, I hope they're not that way. We'll work on anything. I don't care where you buy it. Yeah. But, you know, the big thing is, is that when you are saving, let's say, 50 to $100 by going to a big box store, um, you're going to pay that same 50 to 100 bucks to get a reputable pro shop to set that bow up the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. And hopefully maybe even take the 10 to 15 minutes out of, you know, to actually and give you a little quick turn-and-burn instructional lesson yeah. to, to shoot the bow. Because, you know, one of the things that we do here at Leading Edge, we make sure that when you walk out that you know how to shoot the bow, you're sighted in at 20 you yards. Know to shoot it, you know how to adjust the small minor adjustments Correct. that you would need. Yeah. You know, if you, It's surprising to me how many people that have been shooting for a very long time don't necessarily know how to sight the bow in. Right, right. Which, I mean, 
as somebody that's done it a lot, like you, just, I don't even think about when I'm doing it. <laughs> right. So yeah. especially when shooting target, when you can move your sight all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, just your sight. Maybe make sure that the rest is installed on at the least, yeah, at least the right side of the bow. on the right side of the yeah. bow and not in front of the right. Man, I've seen a lot of those oh, whisker yeah. biscuits mounted off the front of the bow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I always well, love that. It's a one. technique. It, well, and that's what stinks because what happens is that you know, and I've said this for years. You take these young kids, especially the children. And you teach them how to shoot at 10 yards, and you mm -hmm. get them in the, and they're hitting the target the size of a pie plate over and over. They will shoot a thousand arrows oh, big, dude, a day and I, never stop. I, I always say, like, it's, it's always more fun to be good. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody's going to sit there and spend two hours, you know, one or two days out of the week doing something they're terrible exactly yep. and that it sucks. It's no fun. Right. And that's my point. <laughs> so, what happens is if you go to one of those stores and you, you aren't taught, properly your bow is not even remotely close to being set up properly and your kid goes out and shoots it he's going to spend maybe a couple weeks with it it's going to lose its luster very quick because he's not she he or she is not hitting what they're supposed to be and honestly they're going to go back up and pick up the playstation or mm -hmm. pick up the yeah. phone or do whatever it is they do that, to occupy their time and get back inside the house and not outside the house and i'm a firm believer in that because we've seen it the kids that we coach here the kids that we teach the, when we set up those bows those kids I've had parents call me, you know, is that good for Johnny to shoot a thousand arrows a day? No, <laughs> but I can't get him to come back in the house, Yeah, you know, because he's having a blast. Yeah. And that's, that's why, you know, uh, we'll it, tell you, go to a pro shop. Yeah. Well, and especially like kids, women and new shooters are some of the easiest people to teach how to do oh, yeah. stuff well, because they, they don't know, they, any, they don't know any better. Yeah. Like, I mean, if, as a, you got to make sure you're being taught by the right person and they're teaching the right type of stuff. But from a beginner's perspective, like it, it's easy to look at somebody and know what they, what they're doing correctly and incorrectly. And I don't, it's super easy to fix that. Cause there's no ego with them because they have, I mean, they don't know what they're doing. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not like you're so trying to break a bad habit or something. Exactly. It's you're, way you're easier to instill teach good them correctly habits first. Yeah. yeah. instill good habits as, as opposed to, you know, like you said, they go outside, they don't like it very much, but they stick with it just if they're that type of person and right. they develop a ton of bad habits. That's going to be a way bigger headache for both the person trying to teach him and them, you know, the person shooting yeah. as well. Right, right. We, well, we've so, seen that, quite a bit of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on out there for sure. But, yeah, get out there and get to your pro shop. Let them work through setting up the bow, um, you know, if they're like us, they're in the business of helping you and they're in the business of trying to make sure you're, you know, I always tell people, my job is to keep you shooting your bow. If you're yeah. shooting your bow and you're shooting it year round, especially, you know, you're going to need equipment. You're going to need arrows. You're going to need those things that keep yourself shooting. And that's really the lifeblood of the pro shop. That's what keeps us in business. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the shops, and I hope you don't have one around you like this, but the guy, you know, those guys that don't want to work on the bow for you, don't want to teach, um, you know, they're looking for the one hit wonder and, and you're, you will not be around very long as a shop. And, um, no. well, I've been blessed that the ones I've worked at have been, I think quite most the shops are kind of heading away from that direction because, well, they're not going to survive. I mean, they are. Well, they're not going to survive because, yeah. but I mean, like as a customer, if you walk in and you buy, like, say you bought a bow at Cabela's, you're rushed in there. They push you out as quick as they can because they're trying to get to the next sale so they can keep product moving and making money. And then you come into a pro shop, sure, you pay your 25 to $50 to get the bow set up. But the quality of service that you brought for that is going to keep bringing that same person back into the store. Right. So when they when they do upgrade, say it's a, 
they get a kid, you know, say they get their kid a, a bow like that, something they want to start end up doing too. They see how much fun their kids having. They're going to come back in and buy a bow from that pro shop because of how well they were treated. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's kind of been the lifeblood of our yeah, with whole shop, doing. the whole business plan here. Well, Jason, you were new archer, what, two years, three years ago? Yeah. I, well, I picked up target archery again back in 2016. And, and you did that through what organization? Um, Somewhere as far in the military, as, wasn't it? Uh, some uh, no, it was through a, Yeah, it was a veterans program actually that I picked up. Uh, picked up a bow again, and I went in and shot a, a tournament out in Salt Lake City. And you know, I got back, and that's kind of how I found you guys. It word of mouth spread through mm-hmm. through one of my friends, and man, I remember it was something super simple when when I called I called the shop and I was looking for a uh, a, a post for a CBE Vertex. Um, for the scope housing. Yeah. And I called Bass Pro. I called a couple other places and nobody knew what I was talking about. I called these guys and they're like, yeah, we got a couple of those. Come on in. Came in, you know, hung out for a little bit, wound up uh, doing some work on my bow. And next thing you know, it's been two and a half years later and here I am. I mean, you're, you're here almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been, it's so. been a good journey. So it's, I mean, it was a, it was a good way to start. I, I, I had a little bit of a, of a rough start kind of because uh some of the people that i that i associated with you know they were they were kind of in that retail mentality right where we're just gonna get the merchandise in mm-hmm. your hands and, and push you out right um but i remember after hanging out with with scott and some of the guys i, I told him one day i said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna bug the crap out of you for the next couple of months but i'm gonna <laughs> be in here every day and i'm gonna learn and eventually i just you know i i come from a very technical uh uh, background i was a i was a mechanic so i i really wanted to learn everything i could about the bow and about archery and you know finding yeah. a, a a good pro shop it's not just it's not just in uh and what you guys are selling it's it's the environment as well yeah. so well you know and it's that's a great story because i think it's you know some people look at you know I've talked to so many customers. I actually had a couple of posts about this from customers about, you know, how do I get in archery? It's so intimidating, and it's really not. It's not an intimidating sport. It's, um, you know, it's a very individualistic sport. Although the tournaments are somewhat intimidating because of the, just the sheer number of people that are compacted into one yeah. small area. Um, but it's it's still easy to get into. You know, and I, I'm going to pass this over to Bridger in a second. But like you heard what Jason's story was. What, you know, I was eight years old, and one of my dad's you know, best friends. My dad had dabbled in archery and my grandfather. And then, uh, my dad's best friend was really a competitive shooter. I mean, my, we were hunting and that was it strictly. And, uh, got us into competitive archery. You know, he was a big traditional guy. Probably is even today. His name was Jim Blair. Never forget him. And he, uh, he got our family kind of into that tournament competitive archery where it was something we would do on the weekends. Uh, we were fishing at the time more, yeah. more than that. And then before hunting season, we get our bows out and get ready. But, I shot traditional for probably two years, and then, you know, I'm a tech geek, so as, even as a kid, I think I was 10, I went into Olympic recurve, which I just thought was the coolest thing ever, you know, and shot that for, I think, eight years. Um, shot for some JUCO teams. Even back then, they had junior Olympic archery, and it was pretty awesome. And um, and then my dad made the mistake, and Martin came out with a Cougar Magnum. I'll never forget Uh-oh. that. Oh, yeah, that's I'm really dating myself, but... <laughs> Man, I seen wheels and cables, and it was over. And my dad, I'll never forget, Jim Blair was so mad at my father because it took me out of the recurve almost instantaneously. Oh, yeah. And I could not wait to play with toys after that. 
and uh, the rest is history. But it was, you know, it's been something I have been doing my entire life. And I also played other sports. You know, I played uh, baseball, wrestled, and then I actually wrestled in college. Um, and I bass fished like a crazy man. You know, it was probably my my true passion in life and my, what I wanted to do is become a professional fisherman, which I did for seven years and went, Catching a bunch went of green bankrupt. Carp. Green carp, exactly. <laughs> but I always shot archery. I mean, I never stopped, and it was always part of my life and what I did. And I would tell a lot of parents this, you know, archery is a life sport. Once you get into it, if you want to pursue it as a sport, you can do it into your 70s and 80s. We've got how many people that shoot here in the shop in their late 70s? I mean, tons. Or even yeah. older. Well, Pops, Pops, Pops is, is what? in his 80s. He's, He's 82. 82. Yeah, Pop's gonna be a. I think he's gonna be eighty-two this March. He did call. Looking and we for always told the joke before. He, he every day he comes in. The first thing he asks is where his bow is because he got Bo a new RX four on order for hey. him. <laughs> he didn't stop in today, but uh, he made sure to call and ask. Yeah, that was the first thing he said when yeah. he when and he's literally going to be eighty-two years old, folks, mm-hmm. and he is shooting a a Hoyt RX four. And the funny thing is, it's he's shooting. I think a. 50 to 60? Yeah. Yeah, 50 to 60 pounder at 82 years old. So, yes, it's a life sport. It's something awesome, you know, and I think that it's one of the, I mean, it'll give you longevity, and you can do so much with it, shoot target archery, go hunting, of course. Um, that's probably, I think, one of the, I think target archery is growing, but I also look at the hunting side of it, and it's, a lot of people talk about it declining, but I don't know. I look at I don't see it. I don't either. I, I no. don't, but the manufacturers are, always complaining about sales being down. I think a lot of it's got to do with the internet um, and other things. But that's for another topic yeah. at another time. But I want Bridger to talk about how did you get into archery? You know, I've never heard this story. I mean, from so I'm from Iowa, and in Iowa, we you get a two full months of archery season right. for whitetail because of weather. <laughs> well, I mean, whitetail, but the way the DNR sets it up is so okay. you get we get two full months of uh, archery season only. You get October and November, and then we only get two weeks of gun season. Well, my dad was pretty avid outdoorsman. He always trapped. He always fished. And he always hunted. Well, we only ever hunted in our the gun season or the first and second shotgun season for Iowa. He'd had a bow, and he wanted to get another one because he was getting big into whitetail and wanted to have more time to hunt. So that was the exclusive reason why he ever bought me a bow because I was old enough that I could go. I was starting to go hunt with him and everything. And uh, got lucky enough, went into uh, a bow shop and trying to think where we where he used to be at, uh, but he was in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was Central Iowa Archery CIA. And uh, you know, I ended up it was a great bow shop. Brady, the owner at the time, um, helped set me up, taught me correctly at least out of the gate. And just like Scott said, you know, my dad. My parents are calling Brady, the shop owner, asking, I was like, man, is it all right if he's outside shooting, like, <laughs> for <hours>. hundreds <laughs> of arrows a day? Like, I just got so captured by it because I wanted, A, I wanted to hunt, and I want to be able to spend more time with my dad, but I just loved shooting. Um, and then just kind of on a fluke, ended up going to 3D tournaments, starting to get into the competitive side of it. Met some people along the way that got me into the USA archery stuff, and that's where I kind of found my groove Right. as far as the type of events I like to shoot and the stuff I had a lot of success at. So, like, I love shooting 3D, but I was not, especially at the time, was not nearly as good at it as I was shooting. At a gold dot. Yeah, shooting at a gold dot, shooting right. indoor. Right. So, again, kind of goes back to the it's always more fun when, you, when you're good. Yeah, right. Um so that I mean, that's the whole reason I got into the the target side of it was I progressed through a little bit of 3D stuff, local, regional, 
and then moved on to that target stuff because I excelled at that so much more. Right. So, so it's funny you say. It. How old were you at the time when you got in? Uh, I got into archery probably when I was ten or eleven. Ten years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you, folks, for those of you who don't know, because Bridger does not like to toot his own damn horn, so I'm gonna go there. When did you win your World Cup? How old were you? I won World Cup Finals in 2014, so I was 20. I was 20 years old. So you started I, when you were I 10. I just turned 20, yeah. Yeah, so, and you won Junior Nationals at how old? Uh, oh, gosh. 12, 13? I think it was 2012 I won my first national, national event. National level event. And then... And that was Joad or Junior Nationals, wasn't it? No. Oh, no, it was 2011. I won NFA right. Indoor Nationals. As okay, so that, was, that was my well, first Nationals win. Here. That was not 10 years And then we were in 2011. Yeah. So, and then Five years. Oh, God. I can't man, you were bad at horrible. math. Eight years. Eight years, like, yeah. And then 2012, I won my first world title. I won the Indoor World Championships. Right. Like a first individual title. Well, I guess my point, what I was trying to get across, is that within what? It sounds like within five years, mm-hmm. you I've won gone from a national level tournament. slinging arrows in the backyard because yeah. I wanted to go kill something to <laughs> traveling to, at that point, I'd been to Poland and mm-hmm. then all over the U.S. Right. Shooting but, on the national team. Mm-hmm. So, folks, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, this guy in, in five-year time frame, I mean, and I imagine you worked your tail off for that, correct? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things where, yeah. like, I enjoyed doing it right. and I excelled at it. So that made you, it made me want to commit to it right. even more. But I still believe in my heart of hearts, and you know, it's funny talking about Christmas, but you know, God gave you a gift. Period. I watched you shoot. I mean, there are some guys that just have it, and there are some guys that will work very hard to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion, through sport, in five years to escalate from wanting to kill deer to winning a national level event, that's god bestowing something upon you that that's what you were born to do i mean i hate to say it um so you better find a way to make a lot of money in this industry <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, also sings and he well yeah and that, yeah bridger can really sing that's no lie he's got an incredible voice i know you keep bugging me to go to we got to go karaoke go to go to karaoke so some also him the songbird of his generation well, yeah well <laughs> and for our listeners that happen to be of the female persuasion or some adults oh, that God. have young ladies he is a single man he's a very strappy good-looking dude too oh thanks dad <laughs> <laughs> no but we are i'm dying to go karaoke with this guy because i promise you when he starts singing he's gonna have his pick <laughs> of the audience he's really good no lie people uh, but no i'm being serious he's he's in five years became a national level champion and then i you know to go and win a world cup within i think 10 years mm-hmm. and that's folks that he's shooting against best shooting against the best archers in the world if you get a chance go google it on youtube um he's on there his ugly mug and i think you dominated too you didn't just win world cup you like destroyed most of your competitors that year I heard yeah. that about you. I, this is a true story. When Bridger was coming down to work with us, of course, I was doing my homework, and there was one common theme I heard from a lot of constituents with that shoot with you, that when Bridger's on, he doesn't just beat you. He makes you feel like crap. He beats you to death. It's not close. It's usually a, just bloody a mess. I've, I'll toot my own horn a little bit since you say I never do it. I'm pretty sure I have the highest... Uh, Win gold medal, gold medal final score ever shot. Ever and shot, yeah. For gold, only the gold medal. Right. Yeah. But oh, I, I think Stefan might have tied it this year, but at the time I had the highest. Right. But I shot like a 148, I think. Yeah. 
It's still, I mean, I'm just telling you. You didn't drop a nine to like your third end. Is a third or fourth? Sanga's 12th arrow, something like that. Yeah. I do remember turning at the crowd and looking at him. I was like, come on, bro. (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't see your eyes through your P list, though. Yeah. (laughs) No, but that's so, anyways. For some of you out there that look at archery, you know, hey, can I ever do it that good? You never know until you go shoot it. And I've seen a lot of people come in this shop, you know, and I, I we've got two youngsters in here now that shoot for us. And I'm like, I, I would like to have them on the show sometime and talk about it from a, a young person's perspective. But one of them is uh, 15, one is 16, I think, uh, male, female. And Bridger, I know you've watched them shoot um, Cody Server and Kenneth Stevens. Um, I mean, these, I think they got what it takes. Cody's one of the most like natural born shooters I've ever watched. Yeah, exactly. And the other, especially in that, like the way he processes information, I can correct. tell him something and I am, I feel like I can be a good coach, but my, the, like the verbiage that I use sometimes because I'm not overly technical when it comes to a form yeah, perspective. We, we call not that, the same we call that bridge rising. <laughs> you can just call it layman's terms. Layman's terms. But like the way I can tell him something and the way he processes it to try and, for him, he like under tries to understand why whatever he's doing or not doing works or doesn't work. Right. Um, so and- he's a great example of though what we talked about. I mean, mm-hmm. Cody came into my shop when I first opened four years ago, and it was funny. They wanted to try a bow, and he, I put him in a recurve. But we put most of the new people mm-hmm. in, <clears throat> and um, his form was impeccable. I'm yeah. talking like he had all the natural things that you try to coach into people, and he had it already. And I just told his parents, if he doesn't have a sport, he needs to be shooting the bow. Mm. And um, he excelled, I'm talking, immediately with the recurve. I still think to this day the kid could have been one of the top recurve shooters in his age level, without a doubt. Because yeah. he's so strong. Yeah. Upper body, and he's, his form I mean, is just so natural. Scrawny like said. little turd. But yeah, scrawny he is little turd, strong. yeah. He's pretty – well, he's just – he knows how to use – like exactly. you said, it's the intuition that he has within himself of how to use his body to create mm-hmm. good form after explaining to him very quickly and – in layman's terms um but it was funny two years after that he's only been shooting the compound two years that's the crazy part so and i remember i think it was probably two weeks ago we just set him up in that trx 36 and he goes out into the goes out into the league first or second round he shot with it shoots a three 327, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because you normally always just write my name at the top for league. Right. And I made you move exactly his switch name it over. Because <laughs> he actually re- beat you on seating. Yeah, no kidding. The kid can shoot. and, and But that is an example. You know, the kid comes in out of nowhere, wants to just try the bow. And then we have another girl named Kenneth Stevens. And she um, came into my shop last year, actually, in, in August. So she's, she's been shooting been now shooting for about for a little over 15, a year. 16 months. Is it? She is one of the hardest working. Yeah. Shooters I've ever seen. Yeah. And that's, you know, but that's what it takes. You know, so there's a, you know, Kenna, I think is, you know, Cody's got a God given natural ability. Kenna has worked her way into that. Yeah. Because I mean, she's she done enjoys it twice it. As She fast. has a lot of ability, but she, she works a lot harder yeah. than Cody does. Oh, no gosh. offense, Cody, but yeah, no, dude, you can call him out. <laughs> Step He's, it up, son. He, <laughs> I always tell him and his, you know, what he could be if he actually worked at it. You yeah. Know, that's what, that's the crazy part. But he's so darn good. He doesn't have to. And, uh, you know, but that's the funny thing, really. That'll be, the I think, the difference maker between him mm-hmm. shooting at your level and him just being a once in a great, you know, he'll be a flash in the pan. He'll be great one day and stink the next day. Yeah. To be consistent, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. No, but Kenna come in, and she's the same thing. She comes in, uh, she actually shot 4-H. And I think out of boredom, her parents were telling me, shot a tournament 
and won it. And they were like, hey, this might be a thing. Yeah. So they looked I mean, they that, looked us up and she comes in and I'm telling you what, I did one class with her and did the same thing, looked at her dad and said, She got any hobbies? No, not really. And she needs to be in a bow. And she her parents were crazy supportive. And I'm telling you, Kenna, I think she's got I think no, she's placed top ten in every pro am she shot last year mm-hmm. for the ASA. Um she's a fierce competitor in USA archery and she just shoots thousands of arrows a week she's shooter of the year and uh and won the texas state championship in her age category um the girl can flat out shoot which she's and i'm excited to see what those two bring but i think the whole thing was to talk about you never know get into archery because you don't know how good you may be this could be one of those gifts that god's like i said put on you yeah absolutely you don't know you know, it all it all starts around the season because a lot of parents are going to go buy kids yeah, bows. Exactly. You know, exactly. they're gonna they're gonna start shooting, and you just got to know where to where to look, where to explore. Yeah, it doesn't just stop in the backyard. No, there's, there's tons of stuff going on. If you live in Texas, I mean, you shoot shoot your way across Texas tournaments or every weekend. You can go out there and and start practicing a little. Yeah, you know, go well, shoot, go meet people. And the other thing is, is that you know the. If your kid likes it, or even if you like it, you as an adult are getting into archery and you really enjoy it, um, and you do want to maybe, hey, I'm I want to try this, you know, maybe I'll shoot a couple of tournaments and just see how good you can be. Mm-hmm. I, it's one of the things that always gets me that I, we have some kids that also shoot, but they don't ever want to compete, and I get that as flinging arrows, but I always thought you'd want to see where your, what your work is and where it's panning out on the measuring stick. Yeah, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but. Um, for some people, it's a Zen sport. You know, it's the flight of the arrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess it all depends on how competitive you've you've yeah. grown up being. Yeah. You know. Well, and you. But on the flip side, if you're, you know, we have what tons of kids that get into this because they're not the typical basketball, football, baseball type player. Mm-hmm. You know, they're maybe not good in team sports, and they need some an individualistic outlet to keep them outside, not inside. Archery is is great for that yeah and um, i think that it once again that go try it um you know there was an archery place down here in san antonio and i'm I'm sure around the country i know they have them i've heard of other shops running them um groupons oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they'll do a groupon where you can come in and shoot for you know i I remember one shop talking about it was called experience archery and then there was one called live archery or whatever and you can do a groupon for like 20 bucks get a bow And go shoot. Did you guys ever do that at Shields or? No, but we had uh, like we would do kind of like a kids club night type deal mm-hmm. where kids would go around to different portions of the store. And with that exact reason, as far as like trying to find a hobby for kids that aren't big team sport. Um, so like at the Des Moines Shields upstairs was all mo- pretty much all individual sports, say individual, but mostly hunting and fishing stuff. They included archery as well as some water water sports stuff, golf, baseball, right. basketball, those type of things. And they would kind of go around and bounce around in between those, all those different ones. And that was built or set up with a Groupon type deal and Shields would set that up as well. But it was a really good way to sit there and kind of experiment with everything. So Yeah. And that's awesome. I mean, that, so look for those things also because that's a great segue. And then I know, Jason, there is a, you know, for some of the guys in the vet world, wounded warrior programs and stuff like that. I mean, I, I actually had a guy come in here, I think it was this past um, Saturday, 
and he brought a bow in that I had apparently worked on. I didn't remember, but he was like, and he brought a gold medal that he had won at the Valor Games. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, those Valor Games are nationwide because he was talking about trying to qualify to shoot those in different states, different yeah. areas of the country. Yeah, they have four or five throughout the country. Yeah. And, you know, those are all PVA or Wounded Warrior, what, or they're all vet Correct. The, so the Valor Games are all warrior or veteran specific. You don't have to be disabled or hurt or anything. As long right. as you're a veteran or active duty, you can go and shoot those. Um, we have the National Veterans Wheelchair Games. That's for uh, for disabled veterans in wheelchairs. Um, you gotta you gotta have some kind of a, a use of a wheelchair to qualify for that. And then there's also like here in Texas, we have Texas Regional Paralympic Games, right. which we have. Um, Archer is a big part of it, and you have some of the the national Paralympic coach will come down with some classifiers to to get anybody or anybody um, into the sport. You right. know, if you're a teenager, if you're young, if you're old. I mean, I got into this obviously after I got hurt. Um, I was 32 years old when I got into it, but it's you're never too old no, uh, not to in get sport. into it. No, so. Yeah, and there's then, there's different opportunities, right? And if I'm not mistaken, through those organizations, a lot of the equipment you can use can be not even rented. They just kind of you can shoot it, correct, at your leisure. Yep, a couple of us like if if, if you're in the San Antonio area, uh, Jeremy Velez, uh, he runs the the program over at Fort Sam Houston. Correct. Um, I run the program out here at Leading Edge, and if they they want to come out and try, just get a hold of one of us. We've got some equipment that people can use. Um, and we'll set it up for them. Yeah, they so can, you don't even have to be yeah. own archer equipment to do that. Exactly. You just, and you that's just another, show up and yeah. shoot. And that's another great way to get into archery. And then I know, for the most part, every shop out there has loaner equipment. Some I, kind I of loaner think. equipment. Some type yeah. of loaner equipment. Go and shoot a bow. Yeah, it's intimidating somewhat. I mean, I mean, I could imagine if you're going in there, it's working in it a, is shop, a weapon. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> We have shot with somebody that is much more uncoordinated than you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, there's no reason to be embarrassed to come in and try it because, I don't know, it's just like you said, whenever somebody comes into the store, it's because they need our help, and we're we're here to try and help you guys. Right. Yeah. you got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, yeah, so it's, go out there, see if you can get into it. I mean, it is an amazing um, sport. It can become a lifestyle. I just did a post today, actually, about... You know, Keith and Grace Schnell, who shoot for us now. And, uh, you know, they're a great story. I mean, from a family perspective also, if you're looking for something to do with your family, yeah, it can be a little bit expensive, but I don't think it is when you look at other sports that families can do together. Yeah. Meaning that, you know, the all-in, out-of-pocket expense, I don't think is that bad. I mean, you can get into... I mean, that's really, that's your biggest and probably only expense yeah other than small maintenance stuff after that right but you're yeah your initial after your initial buy-in i mean you get to reuse your bullets you, know, yep. you walk you get down to go pull the bullets out, out. Yeah. yeah i mean you shoot I, them and then coming in here we know, charge you, 10 bucks a day most archery shops are around 10 dollars a day you can shoot 24 hours a day i mean mm -hmm. well as long as the shop's open yeah pretty much i remember so. right before i got into well my last summer in germany i decided i wanted to pick up and play football again at 31 years old and you know, I had to buy a helmet, I had to buy pads, I had to buy uniforms, I had cleats, gloves, all that stuff, pay for travel. You know, it, it adds up to a full rig. So, Dude, my son played travel baseball. He went through three to four bats a season at 350 bucks a, a shot. I guarantee you they're probably five now. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. 
and cleats, at least two pair of cleats a year, and they were two hundred fifty bucks. I mean, yep. gloves. Yeah, people look at it as a, and it's kind of weird, but I don't think the initial buy-in is that big of a deal. But I will tell you, I'm going to use the Snell as an example. Keith came in my shop two years ago, and um, wanted to look at target archery. I, t- I actually talked Keith into coming to shoot our league, mm-hmm. and he started with a a Bowtech Prodigy. I remember. Bow. And just absolutely lit it up. And I said, you need to get a target bow. And I went online and found him a Bowtech Fanatic 3.0. And that was a mistake because then he got stupid good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the guy can flat out shoot. And then in very quick order, his daughter, Adley, Addie, got into it. And she's a chip off the old block. That young lady can absolutely grind. She shoots 10 yards as good as any kid I've seen. Mm-hmm. Problem is, for her, it's just like fun. She doesn't take yeah. it serious at all. So she's like her mother in that regard. And then last year, Grace started shooting. Yeah. Um, and Grace basically would have won a shooter of the year in Texas, but they couldn't go to the finals because they had a vacation plan to go shoot Total Archery Challenge in Bozeman, Montana. And that, that's actually where I ended up meeting. Yeah, it's where you Grace. met Keith. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, they, they kind of foregone that where she would have won it, hands down. She won a practically every tournament she shot in the women's bow hunter class last year. With only a year under her belt. And now this entire family, I can tell you, um, they schedule their vacations around tournaments. They yeah. travel the country shooting archery as a family, um, and that's their how they live their lives. I mean, these they're in here, of course, every other day, it seems like. And, yeah. you know, and Bridger, you can probably talk to this. I mean, you don't have kids yet, but you, as a kid, archery's got a lot of really good quality people in it. Yeah. I mean, it's well, not I mean, like, a, you know, the NBA, let's say, or... Well, and maybe that's a stretch, but I mean, most of my family, I mean, outside of my immediate family, is all archery people, right? And they're all people from all over the country. So, I mean, for me, I obviously hang out with a lot of the pro guys, but I'm great friends with Paige Pierce and Tate Morgan. They live in California and Montana. Um, Braden lives out on the East Coast. Braden Galantine on the East Coast. Uh, I mean, oh, Connor, he's down here in Texas now, but right. I've known him for a long, uh, quite a while, right? Um, I don't know. Every, almost all of my friends, quote unquote friends, uh, they're all from the archery community, and those are all quality people. Yeah, I mean, you're not talking about. That's one thing I learned about real quick. Even as old as I am now, <clears throat> going back, most of the people you'll find in this industry are just solid. Um, you know, very solid and, individuals. And most of that comes from this being a small community. So if you're kind of a Jack wagon, if you're Jack wagon. Somebody who likes to burn bridges. You usually don't last. You'll very find long out quick. Here. Yeah, exactly. I agree. But yeah, it's it is a sport you can shoot as a family. You can do as a family. My entire family did it without a doubt. We we spent all of our vacations either shooting a bow, shooting a gun, or fishing. One of the three, you know. And it's just an outdoor lifestyle, I think. But archery is moving a little bit beyond the outdoor part of it, you know. And one of the things that we struggled with, I'm going to kind of chase another squirrel a little bit, but you know, talk about hunting, you know. It's it's a national pastime, in my opinion, for most people that were, grew up around that mm-hmm. the type of environment. And um, you know, we've we'll definitely talk about hunting on this podcast. I think at some point in time, we want to kind of maybe stay away just a little bit because there's thousands of podcasts about hunting. I mean, you've heard one, you've heard them all, um, but it's the kind of hunting, inevitable. yeah, it's inevitable without a doubt. But the hunting aspect of the sport is a big piece of it. Yeah, you know, and. You know, even looking at getting into archery is funny. I I think there's a big movement now. I um, I did not get grandfathered in for the Colorado um, age bracket for life. Have to have a a um, 
hunter's education card. Sure. <laughs> and I'm, old, I'm as old as dirt. And I had to t- actually take that class a while back. And um, through the class, the guy, the instructor kind of figured out that, yeah, this was more I had to do it. And I could I knew yeah. everything I needed to do. But And I got a chance to talk with a lot of people there. And there were about 30 people in this class. And, of course, none of them look like outdoor enthusiasts in any way, shape, or form. But they all had a common theme. This new um, movement towards eating clean, knowing where your meat's coming yep. from, um, wanting a better lifestyle I, for food. I was watching something on it. Well, in the store today, we had the Outdoor Channel running on our, our TV up front, and they right. were talking about that, and they're calling this big rise in, in uh, like, adults that weren't formerly hunters. Right. Wanting to get into hunting because if for exactly that, the whole farm-to-table and I think they were calling them like local vores or something. Local vores, yeah, something yeah. funky. But uh, the whole idea behind a lot of the classes now, and I mean, we do like our elk class, um, we do our elk fit class. But I mean, I wasn't here for it last year, so right. I don't know how bare bones you go on it. But there's a lot of stores and a lot of programs that allow people to do that. To where if you're wanting to get into archery for the hunting aspect. You know, obviously going to the sh- going to your local pro shop, getting set up with the right bow, getting set up, getting the bow set up correctly for you. Um, but you should look around for that those types of programs too, as far as like introducing people into hunting as well. You know, it's funny you say that. We were talking. I think Jason, you and I were talking to Doc about this what two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and J- it's exactly what you're talking about, Bridge. You know, Doc mm-hmm. was talking about hey, he was actually asking us if we did a bow hunters education class. Sure. Because I think there are two or three states in the country that require you to have it, and I don't know how in the heck they would ever validate it because there's really no such program. Yeah. It's accredited, per mm-hmm. se. Um, and we just throw our hunter education license number in that box, sure. and it usually satisfies the requirement. But, you know, Doc made a comment. You know, this guy's 70-some years old, and he says, hey, you need to create a program that that educates and teaches people hunting and or bow hunting. Um, for the very reasons you said, Bridge, I mean, these guys and gals are out there wanting to maybe do that. But and I think there's a big movement towards archery because guns are so darn polarizing yeah. in this in this environment. And we're who are we really talking about? The people that are coming over, they're they're really bridge jumpers from the left to the right. Not, mm-hmm. not to get into politics, but well, but even if they aren't, like I I've met plenty of people that are. I mean, the vast majority of people that I shoot competitive archery with are more right leaning, but there's still a lot of people that are on the other side of that too. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's Especially to shoot tournament archery. Tournament archery for a sure. Lot. Yeah. So and it's something that includes everybody. Right. So yeah, you know, so it's, it's kind of cool to see. It is really cool, and that's another reason I think this the, the sport is going through. I mean, once again, everybody says it's declining. Um, I don't see it, but um, I think it's a big movement. Is that that mm-hmm. food, the eating part of it, because it is healthier eating. You know, you want to ch- chase a tangent here, chase a squirrel a little bit. Most people um, that I talk to about it prefer wild game. Yeah, absolutely. I know I do. Yeah, I'd rather I'd much rather eat a, a a tenderloin out of a whitetail or backstrap off an axis deer than even like a big ribeye every once in a while. So obviously, you, there's like there's a place for that stuff, but I forget who I was talking to. It may have been Doc at the gym, Jason, if you remember, and maybe it was you. But we were talking about you. You even have to be careful. So like when you look at these dietary programs that are out there on the internet now and. They're talking about how the amount of saturated fat that's within red beef. And red yeah. meat, red meat's bad. Red meat's bad. You hear about it all the time. But when you count wild game into that, you really can't. Dude, there's they, almost does, does not, does yeah, not it, fall in the same category. It decreases drastically. Yeah. 
by like what? 80, 90%. Yeah. I think, I think Maybe. Axe, I, and part of the reason I love Axis deer, A, it tastes amazing. Oh, B, yeah. Axis, if I remember right, other than, I think No Guy is the only uh, red meat that's any higher in protein per ounce, but for every ounce of Axis deer, lean Axis deer, it's like 24 grams of protein, I think. Yeah. For one ounce. One ounce, yeah. Which well, is crazy. On top of that, Axis is so delicious. Do you, oh, man, do you know I, why? Oh, I know I why. I mean, I don't care. I'll let you share. Axis deer have a gallbladder. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That is true. They're, they they're, filter their blood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why you can take, you can pretty much take a, a piece of Axis meat and throw it on the grill for five, ten seconds and oh, put yeah. it on a plate, and it's still amazing. Yeah, we, we actually talked about that today, Jay. What do you, what'd you call that stuff? Tartar. Oh, tartar. Yeah, I saw a deal. Um, He's Steve gross, Rinelli, Steve Rinelli had posted a picture yesterday or two days ago. He'd made, well, we were talking about tartar, but Rinelli made a uh, deer heart ceviche. Ceviche, that was it. So he just diced up a heart, raw, mixed it together with all the ingredients you need for ceviche. Jason, would, would you be eat a that, Tomansky? Uh, absolutely. A raw See, yeah. heart. For for those of you that are listening, uh I think out of the three of us, Bridger and I are the most adventurous. Yeah, there's. I won't even I eat cooked heart. It tastes like wanna, chewing on metal. I didn't eat your uh, the soup that Courtney made yesterday. Oh yeah, we discovered yesterday that Bridger is not a fan of menudo. Yeah, menudo, which is wait. Okay, what, so time out. Beef stomach. You, right? you wait. It is so, cow stomach. Cow stomach. Or cow stomach. Yeah. So you will eat raw heart ceviche. But you will not eat well cooked menudo. It's not that I didn't want to eat it because it tasted good. It was just a texture. The texture is disgusting. It's just like coconut. Like I can't eat coconut. Oh my god! Because of the texture. Really? Yeah. It's like stringy and waxy. Yeah. But I love coconut flavored stuff. Like a coconut water, I will drink a gallon of that. It's like I I don't like peanut butter, but I like peanut butter things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not a big PBJ fan, but you'll eat the hell of a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I so. still can't do the raw. The the Bridger, I learned, will eat just about anything. Except for like, he has an iron gut, too, <laughs> for sure. So I can't do the I can't do the heart thing and no. It's gotta be cooked. Not well not well done, but just cooked. But you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to know what, what the listeners are doing for their Christmas meals. So I I personally want to know so if you guys well, want to you know drop a comment and let us know what you're doing for uh yeah so i've Christmas lived dinner. in like seven different states in my corporate career ending up in texas and one thing i think is cool well it's different and i do miss this you're going to learn this also but you love mexican food i'm going to go to christmas this year on wednesday with betty and her family and there will literally literally be nothing but menudo um, what do they call it? Tamales. Um, there's another thing. What's Waiting for something that's wrong oh, with that. Tripe or whatever you guys eat. What's it called? You guys. Well, it's Mexican. Listen yes, I'm guy. being racist now. What, what is it? Is that what it's called? Tri- the, the crunchy stuff. Uh, chicharrones. Maybe that's it. It's, it's like, something to do with intestines. Oh, no, no. That's, that's, so it's a really popular thing in Mexico where they take intestines and they fry them up in, oh my God. in oil. Oh, sorry. And make tacos out of it. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. It's, it's horrible. Trust me. That and Spanish rice and beans. And sometimes I just want good old-fashioned mashed potatoes, um, what do they call it, uh, sweet potato casserole, green beans, you put, you put, uh, and ham. 
Did you ham. Put, did you put the marshmallows on your sweet potato? Yes. Ham? Oh my god, yes. See, I ne- all and my pecans. Pecans. See, all my friends ate. They loved sweet potatoes. I can't eat them. Really? I hate them. They're so good for you. Do you I just don't can't? Care. Do you I have? Do you, you don't like them mashed either? I don't like them mashed. With I don't like them in fries. I don't like them baked with marshmallow on top. Nothing. I love sweet casserole. potatoes. Okay, so folks, maybe he isn't that iron of a gut. Oh, I can eat them. I just don't like to. It took me thirty years to eat sweet potatoes because I I had this preconceived notion that I did not like them until one day I came home from work and there was sweet potatoes and I, I mean, said, ah, you, whatever, I'll try it. You take and them, I love them. They're you good. take them and bake them and put a stick of butter. A bunch of brown sugar and a big old slab of marshmallow on there. Yeah, I'm probably going to eat it. <laughs> but you'd be crazy not to. Now yeah. I actually mash mine up with garlic, so, salt, diced up jalapenos, and cilantro. Dude, you eat jalapenos on everything, literally. Are you he kidding me? Just, That's how you eat sweet no, potatoes? He's That's just got a part bag of, of serranos in his fridge. Well, this is the same guy. He eats like a burger. Yeah, a burger. Yeah, yeah, he just, yeah, just he eats, eats it like a carrot. Oh, yeah. It's like a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason Tabansky, no kidding, he's right. I watch him eat sandwiches, hamburgers, no matter. He takes out a freaking pepper and eats it like a carrot. <laughs> that's what that's what I grew up with. My when I was growing up, and I was teething, my grandmother used to rub jalapenos on my gums to kind of numb them. And there's the reason. Yeah. Plus, wow. it's good for your immune system. <laughs> Killing it kills everything. Yeah, everything. Um, what were we talking about? You don't like sweet potatoes. Wow. Okay. Anyways, yeah, the, go back. The big food movement thing, I think, is a big part of it. Um, and I, I think it's awesome because we live on practically what we kill around this place, it seems like. Yeah. And it's great for us. It's great for the for um, for our bodies, for sure. We are kind of a, I guess, the other part of this, you know, that you, if you get into archery as a whole and then you transfer over into hunting, you know, I think the next maturation process i'll call it is if you get into the what i call the extreme hunting which is not sitting in the blind in the tree stand you know like right. we do back home and even here in texas and get into that mountain west hunting that is where i think the sport will reach in my opinion the pinnacle for you from a lifestyle yeah oh man you you talk to a guy i mean you're a perfect example scott everything you do as far as a nutrition standpoint and a fitness standpoint is so that you can do a better job in September when you're out in no Colorado doubt. and Montana hunting them. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's, he's about to be the strongest man on that mountain come September. <laughs> we started <laughs> in we November. We keep doing that. <laughs> no, and that's, that's the truth. I mean, I've, um, you know, I'm an elk hunting junkie for those who don't know me. And, uh, I want to share it with everybody that I know, my friends and everybody. And it's, um, it's, it's just the most amazing experience and getting a chance to backpack hunt in the mountains is if you ever, there's just no way you can get closer to God, get closer to yourself. Um, it's to disconnect from the world. It is amazing. And I literally at 51 years old work out and eat as clean as I can. And Bridger's right. My entire lifestyle is built around being able to do that for another 10, 15, 20 years. It's going to be hard as heck, but it's really what it, what it is in it, you know, I cannot wait to take Bridger. Next year, I think we're going for sure, and I'm going to let him experience it. And he doesn't claim to be, but I was just like this guy. His whitetail hunting will take a big hit. He's going to be like, 
I know you're looking at me like you're crazy, bro. No, I'm just saying you ain't never gone whitetail hunting with me in the Midwest. <laughs> in the Midwest, well, this is true. I'm an Ohio guy, Buckeye guy. But yeah, I want. I do want to go to kill a big giant whitetail in Iowa. That is on now on the bucket list. Wasn't there before, but I seen some of these deer that Bridger keeps showing me. His buddies are killing. My goodness, they're just gigantic. See, once once I get Tokyo out of the way, we got a lot of things planned. A lot of things planned. Oh yeah, because yeah. I, you know me, I love to take. I love to take the impossible and turn it into possible. Oh, absolutely. From, I mean, for that for sure, but from a hunting perspective, you are probably, of the three of us in this room, you are probably pretty close to the most accomplished. Oh, my gosh, I'm, yeah. I'm and just in there. the last 24 months. I've, I've just been really fortunate. You know, I've got a, a bunch of really good friends that I've met. Right. Um, but I do like the way I look at hunting, and, and I just like to take a, uh, a situation where a lot of people would say, no, that's not, that's not possible. Okay, I want to tell you a story real quick about that. So he comes into the shop, I don't know, it's probably been a year ago now. So Jason had been shooting a bow for about a year. Probably at the time, I remember you were shooting your diamond, not your diamond, but your Bowtech, what was it called? The oh, Rascal the, the hunting or, bow? Yeah, what was it? It was a 2011 Bowtech Tomcat. Tomcat. That face. I found on Let Go for yeah. $200. <laughs> So even, yeah, not even Craigslist. No, no let go. No, no, it was on let <laughs> no. go. No, so he brings it in the shop, and dude, this is so funny. He brings it in the shop, and I think it was a was it a sixty pounder? It was. I, so I can't remember, but it was it was it was at fifty four. And pounds. you were only pulling like fifty four. Was you fifty four? Fifty four pounds. Okay, and he comes in, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna kill a water buffalo," and I mean, I'm trying to be a nice guy. I'm not trying to be in the 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 ass. But I'm like inside saying, bro, that's never happening with this equipment in this bow. And, <laughs> you know, he, Jason at the time knew enough to be dangerous and he built his own freaking arrows. <laughs> and what'd you kill that thing with? A gap? I, I didn't even, I didn't even build an arrow. I just took some, you had some stock, um, were they gold Hunter tips? 400s. Yeah. Hunt, they were XT Hunter 400s. Yeah. And I put a muzzy. Fixed blade, three yep. blade, yeah. Three blade broadhead. Yep, 100 grains. And kills, quite frankly, the largest land animal mm. that walks the planet. And it's hanging in An the, Asianic water buffalo. The, the and, yeah, it's hanging in the shop. The and when he sent me the picture of it, I had just about crapped. I was like, you got to. So, yeah, you're right. Taking the impossible and doing it, he's I'll tell you what, master. that is... We Delicious. talk about how good Axis is. Oh that my wild gosh. Buff, that water buffalo. That buffalo. Ugh. That the chorizo Remember that you had we made had on that is full draw? incredible. Did we have it for full draw film tour? I think that year. I don't know. Did we have buffalo burgers? That yeah, year? yeah, or, yeah. Burgers. The yep. year you came down and did yep. the, uh, the the. We did that. We had burgers. Yeah. We had. Uh, uh, you've had some of the bacon wrapped chopsticks. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you did the heart last year. Uh, yeah, Cody. Cody yeah, Wells that was cooked awesome. the heart. And they said that was amazing. It was yeah. good. I didn't try that. Scott no. refuses to no. eat it. I'm not eating it. I like meat, not metal. It is meat. It's literally a muscle. Yeah, it's it's lean. If I close your eyes, you could chew on aluminum foil. It tastes exactly the same. No. Oh, it's horrible. I just don't like it. Horrible. But, but no, he did it. He went out and killed a massive water buffalo with a bow that really should have never done it. I hate to say it, but good a testament to if you make the right shot, you kill the animal for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's or the right two shots, but the right two shots. But it it was it was a pretty big animal. <laughs> I, I I think so. Funny story is, you know, I, I I double lunged it and it went it went down and it was sitting there. I just personally I I hate animals to suffer. So I was able to see my, my arrow was all the way into the fletchings and uh I was able to see it and 
I decided, hey, you know what, if I shoot probably about six inches forward of that, that's pretty decent hard shot. So I took the shot. I had a uh, same same bow, same setup, same arrow, same everything. You know, took the shot, and this thing gets up and just charges at me. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he and charged you. Yeah, the way that we were hunting that day, you know, I had to I had to shoot it from from my truck because right. it was it was twenty degrees outside. The wind was blowing about thirty miles an hour. It was no way I was just going to sit there in a blind and wait for these things. So this thing gets up and starts running at me, and all I could think of is I need to get this bow inside. I need to close the door. I need to shut this door because if it's going to hit something, it's got to hit the door. Because with my luck, it's going to break my legs and they're going to cure paralysis tomorrow. <laughs> That's all I could think of. <laughs> but luckily, it it got within. I don't know, 20 yards, turned false left, and false fell over. Yeah. And my guide and myself, when we regained color, we looked at each other and said, breakfast, breakfast, let's go. Um, but no, yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. And, that's an awesome And story. I can't wait till, you know, I, I can't wait for the Paralympics, but at the same time, once that's done, we got a lot of a lot of memories to make. And yeah. Well, I mean, I think for all three of us, our, well, I guess maybe a little less for you, Jason, but you kind of discovered it discover the patch for hunting a little further in but i think for both scott and i we got started in this because of hunting oh heck yeah and kind of worked into something else yeah. so yeah. i mean that's it, that's it, how i started in alabama yeah. it was <laughs> yeah. bow hunting yeah yeah well back in the 80s a different time different era you know if it moved i shot it when i was a kid right i mean it's really i mean it didn't you know we shot everything and anything that moved in the backyard and we had an acre of land which was kind of cool and um yeah, it was hunting was the passion. I mean, it's what you mm-hmm. live for, you know. And I love target archery; it was fun. But man, come September, I didn't care if I ever picked up a target bow again for three months, four months. White tails are yeah. targets. Yeah, they're targets. <laughs> yeah, and it's that is it's this great way to get into it. I mean, because there's so many different paths you can take once you start shooting your bow. Yeah. At the end of the day. Well, there's I mean, there's usually something something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, we even have a guy here that um, you haven't met him yet, Bridger. He he was in here the other day. I don't know if you were here. His name's Josh Abel. Um, a lot of my list, a lot of listeners that know our shop will know Josh. He's the uh, the total archery long shot king. Oh yeah, yeah. Josh, I've met, I've met him. You a met him? Times, okay, yeah. yeah. And and it's funny to say this, but you know, Josh, I know is actively pursuing that world record that Stutzman set. Yeah. Um, Josh got a one of our big black range targets, four foot by four footer, and he sent me numerous pictures over the last year of shooting that target at 380 yards. Yeah, um, it's pretty amazing that he can even make that shot because that's a long freaking way, long way. And um, but that's Josh is now not only an extremely accomplished hunter. I've hunted with him a couple of times in the last year, um, and I he needs to get into target archery, but he's the busiest man, family guy that I know. He's got I don't. I think three kids and two of them are playing competitive volleyball. And um, I heard that psycho from a scheduling standpoint, his son loves to kill things. I don't know if Josh even killed a deer this year. His son has killed everything on the planet. And, uh, but Josh is, he's got the time to do that on his own hour before dark at their ranch. And um, the guy sets, I think he, his last two years in total archery challenge out of 40 to 50 opportunities or chances Mm-hmm. Um, the people that have made that 111 yard shot, um, Josh has had 21 of them. Really? Yeah. And that's freaking amazing odds to win a brand new truck. I mean, now he's got, I want to say probably combined 1200 bucks in those yeah. arrows basically. 
but to win a fifty sixty thousand dollar truck, yeah, that's pretty good odds for sure. But I mean that that's a, gr- a great example. And Josh needs to be shooting target archery. The guy can shoot. He's amazing with a bow. Um, but once again, there's so many things that archery can take you in so many different directions. And um, yeah, some other time we'll talk about hunting. Talk about hunting stories. It'll be a lot of fun. I know Jason's got a ton for sure. So you didn't run from that water buffalo, bro. I tried. You tried. I just couldn't. You just couldn't. You had to roll hard. Fast. Something didn't work. Something didn't work. <laughs> so did your guide like not have a backup gun? Oh yeah, we had a three seventy five H and H. And you didn't shoot it though. Nope. So nope. that hey, honestly, that's a big deal. Oh yeah. Because you know how many of those water buffalo actually finished off with a Lapua or something of extremely high caliber. Correct. After the archer hits it with the well, with the, an arrow. The thing is, Matt, you know, Matt Hicks is up in. Uh, in Amarillo, Texas, he he runs a, an organization with a couple of people called um, Life and Liberty Outdoors. So he had me come up there, and and he's a bow hunter himself. So he had seen a couple of things uh, of me shooting a bow, and actually, I got up there because of my buddy Trainwreck, who shoots on the uh, national para team. So he had confidence that I kind of knew what I was doing with a bow. Right. You know, we went and shot a couple targets, and and he just let me do my thing. He did have the rifle. Um, but he said after the first shot, he said, you know what, it's it's going to go down. Um, the only reason why it didn't die right away is because the herd kept on pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. So Just it got it up and move. kept on, yeah, yeah, it kept on going and kept on going. So we finally tracked it down and put it out of its misery. But right. I Matt didn't have the rifle in his hands. He actually had my hand controls because Matt was driving my truck from the passenger seat. <laughs> trying to get me a shot while I was trying to find okay, a crease. Yeah, that's that's going to be something interesting. I do have a video that one of these days we need to put up. Yeah. Um, but no, you're you're right. It, hunting is what got me into archery and it led into target archery, and it's it's a beautiful cycle because you know target archery makes a better hunter. Right. Being a better hunter uh, opens you up to the community, and it just keeps going. Exactly. So, hey Bridger, what about um, coaching? I mean, we're talking about beginning archery. I mean, would you recommend, uh, you know, a new archer get some lessons or, I mean. Yeah. I mean, depending on your experience level. I mean, for me, it's a tough question because I'd never had a coach. I mean, I was taught by numerous people throughout my my, uh, archery career. But, uh, I don't know, whoever's working in your shop, try and – especially if you're new, try and limit the amount of information you can that you're bringing into your head because a lot of times guys will hop on Archery Talk or get on one of the, the Facebook groups or something, oh, yeah. and you just get information overload. And from somebody that's a, a new shooter, they see something and that's the gospel. You know? Right. And it's, it help, it's more helpful to have somebody that can just help you kind of sift through that information. So going to your shop and getting advice, you I encourage everybody to try and learn, obviously, but yeah, man, you don't have to. You don't have to worry about cameling and your camp timing <laughs> and the the million other things that seem to matter but don't actually matter. You know what? We, we got to start listing those because I do want to do an episode that's just on the the fact versus fiction or myth well, bust, just the myth of busters of archery. I can <laughs> just say none of them matter, man. Yeah, is your arrow leaving the bow straight? None of it matters. This is like true. There's, a, there's only one thing that needs to happen, and your arrow needs to leave going Go straight. Going straight. This as long true. as that's happening, I that's wouldn't half, ever worry about that's it. That's half the battle. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely go down and, and find a, a, a good coach if you're depending on what skill level you're trying to get to or what you're trying to do with the sport because it will make all the difference in the world for you. Um, it it helps, you know, fight that that whole thing of you having to figure out everything that you're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, well, it's, I mean, it's it's really hard to self-assess i didn't even know i didn't have an anchor point until this year yeah well and just having a direction in which you're going like otherwise again getting on archer talk there's 10 million things you can do oh yeah for oh, yeah. the 10 million problems you YouTube, might run into youtube is one of the oh my gosh i mean it might be worse than archery talk because i hear it from a lot of customers every day mm-hmm. and it's to bridger's point you get information overload because there are a th- million armchair quarterbacks out there correct i yeah, mean there's tons of them usually none of them are very and usually good. none of them are very good exactly you give them a microphone you give them a a, a camera and a, and a platform and they, they now are the all-knowing um, and most of them just don't know what they're doing so yeah it's um go see your archery shop your local shop and talk to those guys i mean they're working week in week out and i'll tell you something else a, a, another big avenue is and jason you can attest to this you know doing what you're doing um, just the peers and constituents that you happen to be around. I mean, the shooting staff, yeah. for example. The, oh, yeah. Some of the – even the customers that come in that are accomplished archers in their own right, we see it every day in here. we got 20 lanes in the back, and, you know, what, me and Bridger and Cody and Peter, we got four employees running around that kind of know what we're doing, and and uh, our own customers are helping each other back yeah. there. And that's a big deal. Yeah, that's that's the – Honestly, that's one of the the best things that I've ever come across because well, and, I can't and, I can't always have a coach there with me. So. Right, right. But right. I mean, that's kind of the the community that we've set up, and I think most quote unquote good shops are kind of doing the same type of deal. So I know I know the shop in Des Moines that I would go to all the time is uh, Archery Field and Sports, and it's it's about the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, get out there, experience archery, find a way to do it. Um, I think that you'll really enjoy it. It's it is a great sport. Don't be intimidated. You know, we even had a guy I think or somebody posted on there that, you know, archery can be intimidating because they see the jerseys with all the, the logos on it and and the big long stabilizers and it just looks intimidating. Um, trust me, there's a lot more looks there than there is intimidation. Believe me, that's a, another podcast episode <laughs> for a later date. Um, looks can be deceiving. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, don't be intimidated by it. get in there. Get in the mix because you never know until you give it a shot how good you could, may or may not be. Um, I'm encouraging everybody almost daily. Actually, I, I did an instructional class for a lady last week, and I think she's going to you know, step up to the plate and come in and give it a shot. I think she's going to be one heck of an archer. I mean, just looking at her, her raw fundamentals. Um, she's big, strong, powerful, and got a great base to work with. So get out there and try it. I think you might be surprised. Um, utilize your local pro shops if you can. You know, use Bass Pro as an avenue. Bridger said it best. They they their pricing on their equipment is extremely cheap. They sell some really darn good bows, but then go and get those fitted and get them appropriately adjusted by some uh, reputable shops. Now, granted, you get if you're the lucky one, and have a good quality tech at one of the the Bass Pros, Cabela's, or Academies, Dicks, wherever. Um, of course, stay with those guys, but um, get evaluated. Go out there and have a good time with it. Um, other than that. Man, it's Christmas in two days. I cannot believe that tomorrow is Christmas Eve. That is weird. It's crazy. Me. It's crazy. All right, Christmas is two days. Favorite Christmas movie, Jason, go. Um, probably A Christmas Story. Really? Oh, classic. That's like a that. classic. 
Go shoot your eye out, kid. Home Alone by far. As my I mean, I practically know all the words Kevin to it. McAllister there. Yeah, that's I just love that movie. I turned it on earlier in the shop today. Not Home Alone, but my favorite movie, uh, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Oh yeah, we I actually that, watched that the other night. That's always that has been a big family tradition of mine. So I'm gonna make make us watch, watch it here that. in the store. Yeah, we uh, have we have to play that watch, in the next two days. I always watch uh, all three of the Christmas, all three of the Santa Claus movies. Yeah, I you know and I like I like The Grinch by uh, Carrie, the Jim, Jim Carrey one. Yeah. It was really good. That one's hard to beat. That was good because one. that's like that was Jim Carrey like primo right. Like right before he got real, real funky. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And if, if if you listen to our intro, strongly recommend if you like good alternative type music, Small Town Titans did The Grinch, and it is amazing. That song is the coolest song. If you get a chance to listen to the whole thing, look it up. It's pretty cool. But yeah, um, better uh, uh, like Trans Siberian Orchestra. Oh heck yeah! Heck, you know they were just Jer- here in San Antonio. They're here. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, one of our shooters in the shop, he's Jewish, and he's going to see Trans Siberian Orchestra. I heard tickets tonight. for that are <laughs> crazy expensive. I don't know. I just know he said him and him and his wife were going tonight. Yeah, I heard tickets for that are expensive and very hard to get. That's what I heard. I'm gonna have to go do some searching. Yeah, Trans Siberian Orchestra, man. I heard it's an amazing show. An amazing man. show for sure. But yeah, Christmas in two days. And then we two have days. New Year's in New Year's. a week. And we're going to be in 2020, which is insane. I cannot um, believe that it'll be 20 years you, since Y2K. You know what's even funnier <laughs> about that? When I see kids walking around with two zeros on their on their Letterman jackets, uh-huh. that's just weird for me. Really weird. For you guys, it's not. <laughs> I had an 86 on it. I don't even want to tell you how old I was. Oh, come on. 99? I was three years old. And 86? Yeah. Oh, God. Man, you're dating me, bro. I was a twinkle in my father's eye. <laughs> no, a I, distant. I distant graduated twinkle. in 2001. She had an 01? That's not that bad. Cause I'm, I mean, 01, yeah. That's still I had, weird. I had just started elementary school in 2001, I think. No kidding. I, was, I graduated. Well... No, I would have been second second grade. We are transcending the decades here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, From we young can't guy pick to when we're born. Guy to old guy. No, that's true. That's cool though. Hey, it doesn't matter. Age is just a number. Seriously, at least in this group. This is true. Well, I think I always say it all the time. You're only as old as you feel, and I feel a hell of a lot older than 25 sometimes. Well, you're an old Especially soul. Today. You're you're like well, Cody. I mean, I just met my body. Yeah. Like we did chest and tries today, and morning, I, yeah. Although at least I could draw back a seventy pound bow, Scott couldn't. No. After Scott did his workout this morning, he nope. couldn't draw a bow back. Nope. Not, I think even sixty, I couldn't move it for real. No, seriously. We're about to go find out. It was bad this morning. Bad, bad. Yeah. For yeah, talk about you guys and bad. I got to push a wheelchair around. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I I wish I was like Joe Swanson from Family Guy and had all that strength. Yeah. Oh my god! I don't even want to hear it. Yeah, I know. That's, that's good. That'll be a podcast. Also, we got so many cool things we can talk about. Actually, I mean, I, fun, I'm excited because exciting. we got some good content. We actually got some good content from our customers. We're going to cover everyone's fan favorite of Are we going crazy with FOC? That's going to be for a, a upcoming episode of the customer talked about. Britcher is shaking his head profusely I, right now. <laughs> man. Oh, don't even get him started. This is a soapbox that no one wants to ride at this point in the day. <laughs> yeah, he's just shutting up. One time. Um, and uh, we got some really cool things. We're going to talk about fitness, believe it or not. Um, you know, I did a post actually this afternoon about Jason because Jason's on this uh, on this tour of 
his body right now getting ready for the 2020 Olympic Games. And um, so we're going to talk about that. I'm a big advocate of it, people that know me. Today was the first day I worked out with you. Jason is a strong oh, SOB. Oh, dude, Holy he moly. is freaking, yeah. He might be in a chair, but he's, he's a, a monster. strong dude. <laughs> well, how tall are you for real? Like out Six of the chair? One. Six one. Yes, he was a giant. Um, and I get to work with him physically. I mean, I have to lean on him to help him get stability and stuff. And, yeah, he's he's jacked. He's got some he's got some muscles under there for sure. So I've just been lucky. Like, some of them decided to stick around. Yeah, no, for real. Uh, and people don't know, you know, with his uh, disability from where it is and his lack of core, when he's working biceps, he doesn't get to cheat like ninety nine percent of you out there, including me, do. There's no cheating. So to watch him swing around the weight that he he does is pretty pretty cool. It's like a natural preacher curl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a it's kind of a blessing in disguise. hundred percent preacher curl for sure. Yeah. But no, we're going to be talking about that kind of stuff, um, nutrition and, and around the fitness part of archery because I think it's a it's a big, big up and coming. I think Bridger, you got exposed to it at, at in Bozeman last year. Yeah. You'll get to see what tack's all about and those guys that are in that event now. These are all mm-hmm. I mean, they're all fitness freaks to some degree. Clean eating, yeah. healthy eating, fitness. Um, I don't I'm I'm curious to see where it like where it takes me as far as from a target archery perspective, yeah, because see, there's only a small handful of guys that are really into it. I know Jake Kaminsky, who retired uh, uh, Olympic shooter, right, was big into it, and really the only other guy that's super heavy and vocal about it is Levi Morgan. Right, right. Um, well, and, we were talking today. One guy that did it for a year, Rio, mm-hmm. lost. God, I mean, he lost like he forty lost or fifty pounds. Weight, yeah, and I mean, had a probably arguably his worst year. About worse, but he, he struggled. A good year. He struggled. Yeah, he struggled. So I'm. And then he put the weight back on. And he, I mean, I that's crazy to say that may or may not negatively affect you as a. But we we've talked about this mm-hmm. you yourself personally. No, I'm. Um, so I'm curious about it. I mean, I. I don't know what Rio did to lose all the weight. I know he ran a bunch. Yeah. Um, and didn't. I don't know that he didn't do a lot of strength training. Maybe he did, and it just was an adverse effect on him right. shooting wise. But, uh, I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah. That's we're gonna, gonna be. we're gonna work on it with Bridger a little bit, kind of dabble in it. I told him what next August. August. That's when you're yeah, gonna we're gonna we're gonna ass. crush him. We're gonna me and Jason are going to crush him next it's, August. It's gonna be interesting because we've got it from myself in a pair of level and yeah. Bridger in an able body, and right, we're gonna do something something really something interesting cool, here. yeah, and just see what happens, and then we can share it all with you guys and let yeah. you know about that journey, what it look what it's looking like, because you know Bridger got on me because I started shooting like crap about I don't know. 60 days ago, two months ago, I mean, I've, I was shooting worse I've ever shot in my life. Um, and I actually quit. I hung up the target bow for the last time. I haven't shot a target bow in probably eight, ten weeks now. And um, I was actually working out crazy hard coming off elk season. Mm-hmm. And I was hitting it pretty dang hard at the gym. Um, I'm in this building phase, I call it now. And um, I was sore a lot. But I, I think I did lose some flexibility, some range of motion. And yeah. I don't know what it was. A lot of us in my head, trust me, 90% of the sport's in your brain. That's where we're going to start yoga. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, you know what we need to find? Hot yoga. We need to find a guy who is a master psychologist to some degree and get him in a bow. So we can train mind, body, and bow. Because believe me, most of it's the six inches between the ears. I've always said that. Yeah. And Lord knows I don't have control of that half the time. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's laughing. 
Uh, but no, the, right. we got so much cool content we're going to talk about. I think some amazing stuff. I'm um, getting into some of the technical stuff. Some of our guests that we're going to have come on. I know we've already been approached by some people. Yeah. Um, and get their insight because once again, I was talking to a customer today about it. Um, we're going to give you the back end, kind of what goes on behind the scenes. Term. I mean, I can't wait till Bridger gets ready to get on his next big event. Um, or even me and Jason, you know, getting ready for a big event. Talk about what we're doing to prepare for that. You mm-hmm. know, spend some time discussing so that people can get the behind the scenes look at what goes on. You know, behind it. One of the guys today was talking about the MLF, Major League Fishing. Yeah. You know, which you you've watched it. We've all watched it. And you know, Jared Swindle. Mm-hmm. You know, he's left. He went back to the elite, and he's one of their biggest pros. You know, but. This podcast was, and Gerald was on it, talking about why. You're never going to see it on TV. You're never going to see it on social media. But he talked about it through the podcast. It was crazy interesting to hear why he took a step back. Um, and that we're going to give that same sort of insight to you, the listener, and so that you can get in behind the scenes in archery, learn about some of the things that we do, why we do it, especially when we're talking about tech stuff. Um, Bridger, I know, has all kinds of little tricks of the trade you know i've got a ton from the years that i've been in and hell even jason in his uh young careers you know we've all got things that we'll do and operate differently which may help mm-hmm. you the, the the listener out there and um kind of the unwritten rules of archery basically but a lot of good content um come back listen to it we hope you guys like it we hope you enjoy it and um just keep listening and let us know for sure in the, in the meantime again we're coming out with this on christmas so Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody. I, I tried happy to Hanukkah, get happy Kwanzaa. Happy, yeah. Enjoy spending time with your family. So, you know so. what, Bridger? It would be really cool. Let's just do a little bit, maybe silent no, night. Come on, <laughs> sing one, one bar. One bar for the Christmas spirit. Are we gonna, well, what, what's the other one? Um, oh, holy I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. We can do that one. Cool. <laughs> He's close. Let me folks. send it out with somebody that sings a hell of a lot better than I do. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> hey, everybody, have a great holiday. Merry Christmas to y'all, um, and we'll catch you back on the next Wednesday. I think we're going to release on Wednesdays, right, Jason? Uh, yeah, this one's going to come out either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Awesome. All right. We'll see y'all. Your heart's empty, oh. Your brain is full of spiders. you got garlic in your soul, Mr. Green. between the two of you, I would take the...